Now beginning transmission 104. Batman, War Games, Act 1. File under, War Games. エピソードへようこそ。毎週漫画の読者のザッタラバンドはスラッシュアマチュアニュースを使用と漫画とピアカクテルバーです。全ての中にしようとして音ではないような完了プロセスで低能です。Salad. It's from a Margaret Cho bit. Oh, that's what you showed me that. It's actually, it's hilarious. It's her take on racism in ways you don't realize people are being racist. And it's really funny. So, hey, welcome to episode one. I just assume I'm always being racist. That's probably fair. You're white. Everyone's a little bit racist sometimes. So, where are we at? So, we're at episode 104. Uh, this is uh, War Games Act 1, part of our uh, month-long coverage of the uh, Batman series War Games, which uh, last week we read uh, War Drums, which is the precursor to that, and we will get into, in case you missed last week's episode, uh, we'll summarize what you need to know from last week before we jump into all this. But uh, before then, we will go through our lovely group of individuals, all of them a little bit racist, most of which being Mr. Adam. Hey! <laughs> the most of all. The most of all i'm number one i'm number one um hey everyone what's up this is hashtag winning hashtag winning <laughs> hashtag warlock warlock winning warlock oh that's all the the stupid fucking oh see i i just know the the winning thing i didn't see the the warlock. oh he referred to himself as a warlock oh did well. he i didn't know that well, yeah, yeah. Was was awesome. i know he was that's part of the whole Tiger's, Tiger's Blood thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was all part of that. Uh, yeah, it was awesome. The well, I think Cure's HIV, so. Oh. Yeah, Anywho. Uh, hey, what's up? This is Adam from uh, Big Shiny Robot. Also, still kind of working out the Board as Hell podcast with Andy Wilson. Hi, Andy. Hi, Andy. I uh, am my newest endeavor, which is the Cinema Queens podcast with my buddy Chris. Hi, Hi Chris. Chris. CDC, um, <laughs> and yeah, we, we do a new episode every single Monday, kind of the same time this podcast comes out. I'll let you choose which one you want to listen to first. But uh, this week, as we record, which is now in the past, we are doing a bit more serious film with uh, "Call Me by Your Name," 
which just won the Oscar for Best Adapted Screenplay at the Academy Awards. And it's a really interesting, fun movie. But I'm sure we'll just end up making butt sex jokes the whole time. So, so there's that. Come listen to us. Here's for butt sex jokes. And butt sex. Yes. Yay for butt sex. A uh, little bit less racist on the scale. We're going to go with Mr. Maya. It's a me, a Maya. <laughs> so are, you, are you saying there's like. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Are you saying there's like a Kinsey scale for racism? I'm Did sure there is, actually. Six? Actually, no, there is. I've seen them online. So, like, if, if you're a zero, you're like, you're totally not racist. You're like, I don't know, like Mother Teresa. If you're a six, you're like Donald Trump. And if you're three, you're Maya. There's more to it than that. It's like uh, there's like actual, you know, racism versus like unintentional racism. You know what I mean? Like where you can kind of be unintentionally racist and not realize that you're being uh, racist. And then, you know, there's in some ways there's also like the overly trying to be PC, but then you end up being racist because, you know, you're going overboard. I mean, there's, there's a whole scale I've seen somewhere. And then there's so. the white chick who pretended to be black and was head of the head yeah. of the like ever. Yeah, there is that. But here she claims she's from Wakanda now. She is. <laughs> anyway, Maya's a meme, here. A meme told me so. Hi, I'm Maya. Uh, if you're in Salt Lake City, where most of us are, you can catch me at Dr. Volt's Comics. And if I'm not there, still go anyway, because we're awesome. It's at 2043 East, 3300 South. And we're open seven days a week. You can also catch me on Twitter at Mr. Maya and our Instagram, the Mr. Maya. Hooray! Hooray! Yay! Probably not that much lower on the scale, uh, but I'm just going to say your name next because that's the order I typically go in. We have Mr. Todd. So at least I am on the scale, right? We're all on the scale. The scale or the spectrum? The spectrum? (laughs) Yes. There's a lot of theories on how many members of my family are on that spectrum. There shouldn't be theories. There are probably bona fide facts. I've met your family. Yeah, I can accept that. So, yeah, hey, I'm Todd. Um, I'm also here in Salt Lake City sitting next to Mr. Maya and CDC himself. Um, you can find me here on this podcast. I'll pop up on occasion at Dr. Volts where no one knows my name. It's a lot of fun, but they're friendly anyway. Sometimes anyways. you want to go to a comic shop where no one knows your name. Two people there knew your name last week. I mean, it was me and Adam because we recorded there after Adam. <laughs> well, hey, true, yes. There was a 100% people knew my name, so they called me by my name. <laughs> <laughs> I snap at you, good sir. So yeah, if you see me around, say hi. I'll look at you blankly and going, really? Okay, whatever. Hi, it's Todd. And uh, hey, I'm Brian. Uh, Also with Todd, we record uh, and do a podcast called English Class Hooligans, where we read the books we should have read in high school but uh, didn't, and are reading them now. Uh, You realize why you didn't. (laughs) Oh, man, this last one It was so hard not to swear on that podcast, like because we we try to keep that one clean so that our family members can listen to it and we can actually claim that we do a podcast because they don't understand otherwise. And my mom has stopped listening to this show, thank God. My mom doesn't know I'm on this show. But so, uh, yeah, so last week we or this last month we re, we only uh, release new episodes at the end of the month um we did tale of two cities and i'm sorry charles dickens man it fuck was. that guy you know it was the worst of times and it was the worst of times oh you know, my god we had like oh let's do all these analogous things of pairs of everything and you're just like fuck oh, yeah. pairs are delicious mm. wrong kind of pairs you could have at least done pairs of titties no no they're delicious there. I've heard stories. So yeah, you just want to I know lots of gay men who still appreciate titties. I think, I, guess titties, not I think titties are amazing. It's my favorite word. I just don't <laughs> want to. I just don't want to motorboat them. So 
Anyways, we're taking a shot of some Mormon whiskey, so. Woo! I don't get to partake in the Mormon whiskey, actually, sadly. All by mm. myself. I'll get some when you come up here next. We, we actually, we had it at High West. Remember we did the tasting? Yeah. Yeah. What do, what do you have? The American Prairie Bourbon. Oh, I have some of that. It's good stuff. Yeah. It's really good stuff. Mm. Feels good in my belly. Get in my belly. Mm. Nice. I went and bought all the uh, makings for Corp Survivor number twos for my birthday. And uh, and I was at there and I almost bought more High West as well. But I decided I was going to try to keep my bill a little bit lower than normal. So I have a guy at work that totally reminds me of So I Married an Axe Murderer. Uh-huh. A, a big giant head. Oh yeah, it's got a huge head. It's got a huge head, and he just looks at me blankly and like, "Have you ever seen So I Married an Axe Murder?" He's like, "What is that?" I'm like, "You got to go watch it." <laughs> He's like, "No, just tell me." I can't. <laughs> I had a friend who looks a lot like Moss from uh, the IT crowd or the mm-hmm. crowd, and I was like, "You just need to go watch this show." And he's and he's also a super nerd, and he watched that show. He goes. Damn you because you're right. I do look like him, but also damn you because I got completely addicted to that show and didn't sleep last night because I stayed up watching the whole fucking thing. You want to um, see the most bizarre thing in the world is they did an American version of the IT crowd, but Joel Moss McHale, reprised, right? Yeah, and Moss reprised his role. But does he use an English accent or an American accent? I don't know. I was just watching Joel McHale trying to be the other guy, and it was just weird. Yeah, now Chris Dowd's too good in that role. Anyway, we are not talking about BBC TV shows. Uh, we are talking about <laughs> Batman. Rawr, Batman. Batman. Uh, speaking of which, if you want to find something weird on Spotify, there is a rare weird B-side that yeah. happens to be on Spotify of The Who performing the theme song for Batman. It's really bizarre. I sent it to Adam at one point in time. I don't know if you ever listened to that playlist. I made him or not. Because I never got a love note back, so I don't think he did. Have you ever made me a playlist? I didn't know you had a Spotify. You and I have been friends for like 24 (laughs) years. Yeah. (laughs) And you have never made me a goddamn playlist. I listen to the same fucking music. What am I going to surprise you with? I, I just know where I sit We've in your life. We've been friends for 24 goddamn years. We listen to the same <laughs> shit. Like, what am I going to sit there and go, oh, hey, have you heard of this? You know what most of our conversations are? Hey, have you heard of this? Yeah. Hey, have you heard of this? Yeah. yeah. Like that. I dig Space Hog. <laughs> I'm sure you miss Space Hog. <laughs> well, since those guys are drinking, it <clears throat> sounds like a great opportunity to jump into a drinking game. And now for sports. Listen up, sports fans. Prepare yourself and your liver for this week's drinking game. Remember, it's only a game, and a dumb one at that. So don't take it too seriously. And above all else, please drink responsibly. Who wants to go first? I've got one. Okay. Gee, Batman's a dick. <laughs> yes, he is. You can use that drinking game for any Batman book. <laughs> I like every time Batman is like, on the community channel with the Bat family and he proceeds to cut other people off and just to railroad them and doing something else. Take a drink. Can I give you an alternate name for that? Okay. My yeah. way or the highway. That works too, but I'm like, gee, Batman's a dick. I would also go with holy asshole, Batman. <laughs> That's what they call mine. <laughs> well, it's speaking of holy asshole, what's your drinking game rule? Uh, so mine is called the Rogues Gallery. So every single time you see someone from Batman's huge Rogues Gallery, you have to take a drink. Uh, take two drinks if you don't know who the fuck they are, because I knew who most of them were from watching the animated series. So I've watched more of that than read the comics, but there were a few. Uh-huh. I was like, huh? So I have to ask you, and this will come up later for, for Brian's drinking game. 
but have you ever read comics with a ventriloquist in it before? Because it has his ventriloquist speak like his guzz instead of butt. Well, see, I knew him. I, I knew the character from the animated series. But have you ever like actually read him in comics before? I don't think so, no. Where you, where you read him where he's like, Gerber, Gerber, Gerber. It was like Charlie Brown's teacher talking. That was her O face. Oh. Oh, oh, it's burning. Well, then I guess speaking of my drinking game, my drinking rule is called language, which is every time you uh, encounter a non-English conversation, take a drink. And yes, that does apply to ventriloquists (laughs) speak. Yeah, he's not speaking English. He's speaking ventriloquizese. And Mr. Maya, what is your drinking game rule? My drinking game is called I Can't Be Everywhere. Uh, or, or I guess we could call it, we can't be everywhere. Uh, anytime there are multiple crises happening and uh, the Bat family is spread too thin and can't be everywhere at once. Which is basically the plot of this entire fucking book. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> Maya comes up with the most evil of drinking games. Well, because someone keeps on firing the help. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. true, actually. That actually is a decent segue into... Uh, we're going to kind of just recap real quickly what happened in last week's book that you need to know. If there's anything else I missed, please file me to We have Adam's version of the recap going on right now. Oh, oh what? Huh? Oh, I think, oh, are we recording still? Oh, I'm sorry. I, I, I can do the recap super easy. Okay. Stephanie Brown was spoiler. Her boyfriend is Tim Drake Robin. He quit because of his dad. She became Robin. She pissed off Batman. He fired her. Leslie Tompkins is disappointed in Batman's life choices. Yeah. Onyx and Orpheus are leaders of a gang and are basically informants for Batman. And fucking. That's all. That, that's all you need to know. Are they? Oh, and there's a, there's oh, a new uh, there's a new vigilante <laughs> named uh, the Tarantula that has appeared. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're not quite sure if she's a villain or a vigilante yet. Well, she was in the the Nightwing book leading into this, so we mm-hmm. you kind of know. Well, I first encountered her by reading the yeah. the, the first book. That's the first time I, I was aware of her, but. Yes. So she will come into play into this book. Google that shit. Uh, She's also a terrible character. Really? I kind of liked her. I kind of did too, actually. In fact, spoiler alert, my cocktail is based after her, so... There you go. Yeah, she's she's kind of a terrible character. They yeah. I mentioned it last. I, I mentioned I mentioned the reason why last week. All right. You're kind of a terrible character. Yeah. Tell me something I uh, don't know. Don't. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Fuck you, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Uh, <laughs> Whatever, queer. <laughs> I did not say that. Um, it was a Daniel Tosh joke. <laughs> my favorite Daniel Tosh joke is, ah, the OC where everyone's rich and white like God intended. <laughs> wow. So where on the racist scale do you fall now? I Just because I think the joke, well, I, I'm everyone's a little bit racist. I don't know where I'm at. I try to be good, but I'm sure I slip. <laughs> I really view Daniel Tosh as like a soft version of Anthony Giselle's Nick. Yeah, that's probably fair. Yeah, did I tell you that one? I saw he did one tweet a little while ago that's just killed me. Yeah. And I felt he terrible. Last week's episode. Yes, it was awful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, okay, cool. Well, let's go into votes as to whether or not you should read this book. Uh, continuing on with the series. So I've been asked by the judge to be the foreman. Book for Pedro. And I want y'all to know that we's gonna run a fair jury and a clean jury. It's time for a vote. Because we love you. And 
and you don't want to waste your money. We will now vote on whether this week's book is fit for human consumption by you, our dear listener. Along with each vote, our panel will also provide one piece of evidence to support their vote. Vote for Pedro. Do you expect me to talk? Vote for Pedro. Now who is the bond? I expect you to die. There is nothing you can talk to me about that I don't already know. So what is your vote, Mr. Maya? Uh, I vote yes. This uh, Back in <clears throat> when this came out in like 2004, 2005-ish, I had really been getting into DC, and I picked up the 12-cent special, which was the first issue in this run that we read tonight, and immediately I was like, I need to read all the Bat books, and uh, I still read all the Bat books to this day, so yes, read it. Mr. Adam. Uh, yes, I <clears throat> actually enjoyed this one a lot, a lot better than... than the last part of it, the war drums. Uh, and I will go into some detail about, yeah, I'll, just, yes, this is, <laughs> this is why you had to eat your vegetables first, but I will also <laughs> talk about how, uh, the vegetables were like a salad bar, all you can eat. And you could have just had like a small portion. They were the salad bar at Sizzler. Yeah. You could have just had like the old UFC no, salad. No, no, no. Bar. The salad bar at Wendy's, which what reminds me salad of salad bars. They used to have them, which yeah. reminds me of one of my favorite George Carlin jokes. Since we're sharing comedian jokes. Yeah. It's like t- talking about, uh, people going crazy and shooting up places. He's like, why is it always voices? Why do the voices in your head always tell you to shoot up places? Why don't, why don't the voices ever say, go take a shit on the salad bar at Wendy's? <laughs> <laughs> My thing is that... I miss you, George. <laughs> the, uh, the, the vegetables could have been a nice little side salad. It didn't have to be a whole fucking smorgasbord. So, yeah. But yes, read this. Okay. This is good. So, would you say the side salad was for the vegans and then this is for the carnivores? Well, see, when I like to when I like to toss a salad, you know, I knew I was coming. I knew there was a toss salad joke coming. I, it was I would, coming. I knew it. If Adam didn't say it, I was about to. I knew it, it was going to happen. It was though. coming. It, it was, was coming. Covered in ranch. Hey, you made the ranch joke before I could. We're all horrible people. At least um, it's not blue cheese. Oh no. <laughs> yeah, you need to, you need to go to a doctor in that circumstance. I get checked every three months for the blue cheese, and it ain't there. So, but yeah, no. There's what's terrible when it's vinaigrette. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the most perfect timing of a drop ever. Uh, thank you. Skills. Uh, and Mr. Todd, since you recommended this book, uh, I'm going to assume your answer is uh, yes, but go ahead. What's your vote? Why well, it happens to be yes. I'm shocked. I know, right? <laughs> so this was the uh, one of the first big, like, whole Bat Family arc thing going on, and I just really dug it that I got into. And reading it again... I dig it again. And what's interesting, it did come out in the 2004 era. And unfortunately, in some ways, it still hit the feels and its timeliness. Unfortunately, there's some stuff related to timeliness that is still super going topical. Today. It's yeah. Super topical. Just a bit. Super topical. It is super topical. Super, unfortunately, it is super topical. It is and it isn't. Sure. But sure. We'll, get, we'll get into that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, Read for it. Sure. Uh, cool. So uh, that will bring us to about the point in time where we normally take a little break and give you the opportunity to read it if you haven't done so already. But yeah, so uh, going into this book, uh, basically what you need to be prepared for is an all-out war through Gotham City. That's what you know is boiling because it is called War Games. Uh, and uh, that's what's about to happen. So uh, that's... Mr. Porg obviously agrees with me. Mr. Yeah. Mr. Porg doesn't like gang violence. Well, it's true. He he imports violence of any kind, bangs, but not gang violence. Yeah, sure. That's why that's he's all sticky. 
See, I always view Mr. Pork portion talking as like the Mr. Rogers moment in our show. Daniel Tiger, meow, meow. I like that we all went there the exact same time. So now's the time which you get to go and read the book. Uh, we'll take a little pause, and then uh, you can go ahead and pause the podcast through the magic of modern technology. It's amazing. It's fantastic. It's fantabulous. And we will see you on the side. If you have yet to read this week's book and would like to read it now, press pause. Go ahead. We'll wait. Last time I was here, though, two times ago, I will have to say Maya was adorable and let me be drunk on his bed for a while while I sobered up. I really appreciate it. We looked at uh, my bookshelf while we we sobered up. Yes, that took like an hour. And Adam was like, I've got work in the morning. Good night, kids. Night, fuckers. And he went to bed, and I'm like, I'm way too drunk to be driving. So I was there on like a full hour geeking out on his bed looking at his bookshelf. It was lots of fun. Romantic little evening. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Use a hoe. (laughs) I am a hoe. And with that, welcome back. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the book. Uh, if you haven't read it, um, we're about to spoil the shit out of it, so you have been prepared. I'll try to summarize this briefly, and then uh, where I miss shit, let me know. So basically what ends up happening is, is there is a big meeting of every gang boss in Gotham City. They all meet up to talk and whatever, and then all of a sudden, because gang bosses will do this, they start shooting each other up, and then uh, they start to die. So all the heads of all these different gangs are uh, dead and or dying. There's only about eight survivors that get out, one of which is, is our friend... Uh, Batman's uh, homie. What is that guy's name? Morpheus. Uh, Morpheus. 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 Morpheus and his bodyguard are, are two of the eight that escape. Um, you also need to know that on top of the rooftop watching this whole thing go down is uh, Spectre, uh, a.k.a. the former... Spoiler. Uh, Robin. Spoiler, sorry. Spoiler, Spoiler. The former Robin who was... Uh, who was unfortunately fired. Um, and so uh, so then basically it becomes a power vacuum for uh, the heads of gangs within Gotham City. Uh, Batman and his people do their best to try to keep things calm. Uh, they try to combine gangs to try to take control of them. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Tarantula is working in her neighborhood basically trying to lead her gang, but also mainly what she's trying to do is trying to protect the young kids from getting involved in a war that they can't necessarily handle. Uh, as we move on through the story, as these power vacuums continue on uh we get to uh tim drakes who is since retired as robin uh and has been you know dating this girl why does she have bodyguards and a chauffeur is she just rich or is her dad like a mob boss or her something? dad's, her dad's the mob boss yeah her dad's a mob boss yeah so this girl whose dad's mob boss uh she shows up to school and they are attacked by gunmen tim drake jumps into action uh kicks some ass takes all the kids in the school uh gunmen uh led by the ventriloquist start going into the school. So Tim Drake is now basically being forced to be act as Robin Wall in the school. So now you have the standoff in the school. Uh, the girl he has a crush on gets shot. Uh, they need to try to get her medical attention. He's doing the best he can that way. You then have... Um, the other Bat family dealing with other parts of the war that eventually get called into the school. Uh, there's a little side story with Catwoman talking to Spectre. Spoiler. Uh, spoiler, sorry. That's going to be hard for me. Drink, spoiler. <laughs> yeah. Um, she's talking to Spoiler after fighting with Mr. Freeze, in which Spoiler reveals that she is the one who was trying to get rid of all of crime, and she's the one who arranged for all the mob bosses to be back together again, and she uh, maybe you guys can clear this up for me, because I don't know. Mm-hmm. 
Who is Matches Malone? That's it's, Batman. That's Batman. Yeah, Bruce Wayne. It's his. That's an alter ego. Okay, so Catwoman talks about how Matches Malone is the only only guy who didn't show up to this uh, to this thing because they'd never heard of it. So she's the only one, only mob boss who wasn't invited. So now everyone's going to blame them. Then we go back to the school is uh, being attacked. Basically, the only way to get the girl that uh, Tim Drake has a crush on out. Oh, mm-hmm. sorry. Uh, backing up just a little bit. Nightwing uh, ends up coming into school through the sewers. Robin and uh, or Batman and uh, Batgirl follow. Uh, they're helping out, trying to get through. Uh, Batman ends up carrying the mob boss's daughter out to get her in the ambulance as quickly as possible after taking care of almost all the bad guys inside the school. I will say, with that point, he carries her out in the middle of bright day, and there and, is... And yeah. at this point, Batman is still technically like an urban legend. He's an urban yeah. legend, and yeah. there are video television crews everywhere yeah. watching this hostage situation, and yeah. emerges Batman. Yes. So he makes that sacrifice of his semi-anonymity in order to try to help save this girl, and then at the end of the book, the Bat family scatters to go off and fight the war even more. Yep. Act one. Scene. So there, there's the end of Act One of Batman War Games. So, uh, does anybody have any thoughts that they just want to just get off the chest, jumping in right off the bat? Hey, so I, I will, I will jump in with All that. Right. what I talked okay. about before the break was. So I, I enjoyed this part of it a lot. It is still kind of a lot to digest. It's, it's a what nine, ten, eight, eight. Uh, no, nine parts. Yeah, it was, it was eight, nine plus, issues plus the prelude. Plus the prelude. Act yeah. two and three will both be eight issues, so they'll both be slightly shorter. Okay, so yeah. There's a lot of cool stuff here, and yes, as we talked about last week, I can see now why they, in the war drums, they were showing you certain things because you had to understand them to understand what's happening here in war games. That being said, though, you could have done this with the the prologue of war drums in four to six issues and not the 12 or 13 we read because have a bunch more information you didn't quite need yes it, it did eventually pay off because now i understand everything that's happening what's going on where it's going and this is really interesting it was really actually fun to see at the very end when and we can say spoiler this is the yeah. no we know it's spoiler we, we find out who was responsible for all this happening yeah. that it was like i wasn't I, I honestly didn't expect that where i was like oh by the way i have yeah. the back computer and i set this up and this is why it's happening because the whole time we're trying to figure out like you know what crime lord set this up is it is it this person is it mr yeah. freeze is it Penguin. I was suspecting it was going to be Joker because they're like, oh, Joker's out of the picture, which means he's not out of the picture. He's just, you know, he's like, oh, he's MIA, which means that he might have done it. Like, that was almost, like, too obvious, so. Well, well now here's the real question. Is it Stephanie's mm-hmm. fault for stealing the shit and trying to please Batman, or is it Batman's fault for being too hard on her and just basically shutting her off after, like, one mission? The world may never know. <laughs> we have three more episodes on this book, so uh, we might <laughs> yeah. find out our first We might, yeah. But that, that was a really cool revelation that I was like, oh, shit, this is, what's really, this is why this all happened. And, yeah, so that, that was really fun to read. But this felt like the, the main just the story where we're actually launching things off now to find out what happened. And, yeah, I enjoyed the hell out of it. It was really fun, interesting. We didn't have any of that stupid, like, let's flashback and look at, like, Teen Titan Robin and <clears throat> all that bullshit. Uh, so, yeah, I liked, I liked it a lot. And I was, as much as I didn't like the, uh, the prologue, I am glad that at least I read it to know what's going on. Again, next time, cut it down to, like, four to six issues. Stop trying to sell so many fucking column books. On, on this book, I did feel like the war kind of... You would see these incidences happen multiple times from multiple different perspectives, which is kind of interesting, but also kind of frustrating the way that it... it because it's different issues, and it's each book having to cover it. Like, you have to cover this event from the Catwoman book, and from the mm-hmm. Batman book, and from the Detective Comics book, and from the Nightwing book, and from the Batgirl book, and from the Robin book. And so it's like... You, you get the same event happening over and over and over again and like 
The variations are slight, but like that, that was the only beef I really had with it. But we're also not completely reading like an independent graphic novel. We're reading a collection of an entire arc that took over. So it's, you have to kind of remember this is sort of similar to like a secret wars or a civil war where it's, you know, taking an entire line of comics and integrating them into the same storyline. So there are, you know, uh, there are a few things that I have to forgive it for that, but it is sometimes reading it. I'm like, okay, get to the point. Like, cause you can tell they're building to something at the end of this, just trying to figure out what that's going to be. Um, and I, I will say that I was pleased by it actually ending. Like you can kind of tell that part of this book is going to be trying to get Tim Drake back into being Robin. You know what I mean? And really question whether or not, he made the right choice on that and seeing him back in action. And like, it's obviously setting the groundwork for that question of whether or not he wants to get back into being Robin or if he's going to follow what his dad's requests are, you know, or maybe his dad will bless it or whatever. I'm sure Todd read this before, so he can, he knows, but we won't ask yet because we haven't read that far. And, and mine just made a face. So. I know the answer. I'm sure of you, do. you do. All right. So reading this here, it was a lot of fun. I'd read this a few years ago, of course, and reading again, so currently in the Bat family, who we have is Oracle, which is Barbara Gordon post The Killing Joke. So she can't walk. She's in a wheelchair. So she's now the eye in the sky Oracle roll on the computer. And everyone's got a headset. And that's how they're communicating. She does roll on the computer. She does roll on the computer, doesn't she? <laughs> so you have Cassandra Kane playing the role of Batgirl. And she's got this super like BDSM type Batgirl outfit. Yeah, that's weird, right? Like it's a little like the, she the full covering up. She did stitch it together. Yeah. And what's odd as I've read a lot more Batgirl with Cassandra Kane is she doesn't really talk in her other comics. So, I mean, it's all stitched. It's closed. Her mouth is up. So she's just kind of this embodiment of a shadow being there. It, it has a little bit of a Catwoman vibe to it, which I think is just kind of interesting. It really does. Yeah. And I really enjoyed the sequence with uh, Cassandra as she was like being told basically like, I know there's TV crews everywhere at the high school in the middle of broad daylight. I need you to come to me and don't be seen. And watching yeah. her like taking the chopper ride and doing the shadows and using the cover of darkness where she can. And it was just mm-hmm. kind of a lot of fun, but it did remind me a lot of a cat. But it's, um, I really get a kick out of watching Cassandra Kane. She is a person of few words. And yet she really has a, um, more so than any of the others, she cares and he's watching out. Even in the prologue, yes, she was assigned to be watching over Tim Drake, but she talked to him for a moment, just checking how he is. And once he says, oh, I'm fine, I figured out what this is, it's great, I won't talk to you anymore. And she left, but she still went in and talked. And she was going, well, where is Stephanie? And Oracle's like, I don't know. I'm tired. I've been busy. She's fired. She's out of the picture. And she's like, she's not out of the picture. Where's Stephanie? She's looking for it. Uh-huh. And I really enjoy that. Um, Bill Willingham wrote the uh, was writing the Robin portion. And, and he wrote this. the Batman issue in this, too. The, and he wrote the, the Batman the, issue. The last issue. Right. And then you had Ed Brubaker write the Catwoman issue where she's in. What I also really enjoyed. Was it still Brubaker Catwoman? I don't think it was. I think it was. Oh, this was the end of Brubaker's Catwoman. You're right. So Brubaker. This was after War Games uh, is when they changed writers. Right. So, and the uh, artwork for Catwoman was the most different from all the others going on. Mm-hmm. Yet it wasn't nearly so jarring as the um, prologue. When they were the Teen Titans prologue, yes, that that was quite jarring coming out. It was a little bit different of a style for Catwoman, but it still flowed pretty well. And this whole thing sums up as you've got multiple factions of different gang groups trying to take power, and they've all decided that this daughter of this one gangster is the one to get. So one goes in to go after her, and then other gang, three other gang groups follow in after them to take them out to have her instead. 
it's interesting at the end of the day it's like this whole group and yeah everyone converged to protect i mean they're going there because tim's there and tim's there because it's his high school and he's protecting this girl that's Mm -hmm. been shot and they're like we've got to go and everything sums up on the protection of this one person and you've got batman risking and exposing himself basically and walking into broad daylight and he's going you know it's even my anonymity that he worked so hard and spent so much time to protect says this doesn't matter we need to get this girl for help and it was one of the most human moments of watching batman in a long time it's the moment where he's not a dick it's the moment where he's not a dick he's like you know and he, everyone else is like coming out with him with nightwing and batgirl and he's like what the fuck are you guys doing get out of here only mm-hmm. one of us really needed to do this so he's still the dick but at the same time he's like there is some things greater and worth it but he's their dick he is their dick he's the dick that they deserve there are many dicks, but this one is mine. <laughs> That's indeed. And you still have Leslie Tompkins. Full Metal Batman? Full Metal Batman. Yep. <laughs> and you still have Leslie Tompkins, Dr. Leslie Tompkins, going, I'm so just disappointed in the guy. I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed. I'm just disappointed. So, but watching it, yeah, this really ends of, um, there was a success in some ways, potentially, but there was a high cost to it. And it's interesting to watch how it's going on. For the end of a first act of quite the thing, it was quite enjoyable and there wasn't you had mr freeze we didn't really talk about the freeze portion as much well it's only an issue half an issue half an issue yeah it's half, half an, an issue, issue yeah so you have that with the rogues gallery as well but this is really a uh, down and dirty gang warfare and this whole thing kicks off because stephanie brown did it so it's a war game and war games are also known like the military does war games of coming up with different scenarios and how would they react so this does a wonderful job of showing Bruce Wayne as detective and thinking and the planner. You always hear, oh, Batman plans for everything. And this is one of the plans. Is what he did not plan for is one of his plans getting into somebody else's hands. And going backwards and not just two, two or three or four gangs fighting each other. Every gang. And you right. don't realize how many ga- different gangs there are in Gotham until you start reading this. Yes, it's incredible. Well, and one of the other things that ends up making sense, though, too, is that... Um, you have early in the book Batman telling who's the dude uh, Morpheus Morpheus no M Morpheus Morpheus is Lawrence Fishburne in the Matrix Morpheus is a Greek guy who goes down to hell trying to get his girl back okay so Orifice (laughs) (laughs) you rang that's Adam (laughs) (laughs) yeah so uh, Batman calls Orifice and uh, wants him to join. Like almost immediately, he's like, "Go try to join with this gang." And you don't like. It seems like a weird idea right off the bat. And then he tries to do the same thing with Tarantula mm-hmm. uh, to send Nightwing down to talk to her. And you're kind of like, "What the hell is going on?" And then when you find out that Stephanie had stolen his plans at the end, you're like, "Oh, he's like kind of like, oh shit." I, at this point in time, they're falling into what plan I had. I might as well try to enact what I was going to yeah. do. You know what I mean? So you start to understand why he came up with that idea as quickly as mm-hmm. he did. Yeah, he doesn't. I mean, he doesn't know that his plan was stolen, but he's like, well, I'm going to try to. Yeah. This is a plan I had. I'm going to try to salvage what I can to, to see if it'll fix the see, problem. You almost think that. And the one thing I did like about the the prologue was it was showing Batman as being like the world's greatest detective. Mm-hmm. You'd almost think that he could see it being played out and be like, oh, this is my plan. Like, who could have mm-hmm. done this? Yeah. And then who else? There were very few suspects of, as far as who could have leaked it. So, and again, like I'm sitting with people who read the whole thing, so maybe mm-hmm. it does come out later that she figures out who leaked or, it. But or it could be that he's just so being pulled in so many of the different directions that maybe it doesn't click right away. Okay, that's an excuse that quitters use. <laughs> <laughs> so it's there. And another nice moment I rather thought is um, 
with spoiler and Catwoman interactions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. they go in. He's like, well, let's get a drink and calm down for a moment. Let's have some tea. Let's have some tea. She takes off her mask and spoilers like, you're letting me know who you are? And it's like, oh, well, you were Robin with Batman. I just assumed he told you. Yeah. And doing uh-huh. this, well, I just assumed you knew. And it, what's interesting is once you're, even with Catwoman, there was the assumption once you're in, you're in. Mm-hmm. And that's so. That may yeah. or may not be the case. When you're a jet, you're a jet yeah. all the way. We <laughs> first breath to your last that's really day. how it was and she's not a jet anymore and yet assumes you like you, you know so why do i i can like let my hair hang down for a moment so on a more serious note we uh we touched on this at the very beginning about you know the the setting this all takes place yes uh and this takes place just weeks after the uh the, the parkland shooting at a high school and mm-hmm. we have a similar situation in this book of armed people, holding people hostage, shooting people, this and that. Is it just me or am I really kind of tired? That When did this book come out? How long ago was it? 2005. 2004. So it's we'll say 14 years for for funsies. And five years after Columbine. Yeah. And this book is still relevant in that way. Mm-hmm. That kind of sucks. Well, the thing, I mean, not to get too deep into one particular subject, but I mean, I think we have found recently um, reading a few different books um, and and we I've also noticed this on uh, on English class hooligans as well. There are some pieces of literature mm-hmm. that even though they are specifically of their time, they do have a universality to it. And I think there's also certain points in time where we've read stuff like I think we're just in a really weird time of like it's almost like all these different there's these trends in time and history that all seem to be converging at about the same time. Um, and so a lot of different things were written, you know, decades apart, all seem to have a real significance now because it's. It's just interesting that they're all sort of... Um, there's just a lot of weird shit going on in the world right now. You know what I mean? And so stuff that was written about the 80s and things like that still have relevance now. Stuff that was written in the 30s still has relevance now. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is that, uh, you know, comic books, I, I, I've said it before, but I also think there's a beautiful thing about comic books that because it's sort of almost written off as childish, it has a really interesting way of, of being... Very interesting ideas discussed in a, a fashion that isn't necessarily uh, frightening. Or you can actually have sort of like you can discuss something or have a, a conversation about something in a comic book um, in a way that's uh, you can you can kind of look at both sides and you know it, it seems like a silly medium that no one pay attention to, but there's actually some really profound issues and things like that are that can be discussed uh, through the medium. And I think that's kind of one of the things that makes it brilliant. Uh, the other thing I think that makes it brilliant is that comic books in general have always been a little bit forward thinking and kind of looking to the way they believe the world should be. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, to look to the way that you think the world should be, you sometimes have to also focus your attention on the unfortunate things of what's actually going on now or how bad things are to make them try, to have to try to make them better. No, absolutely. And what's interesting to watch, and with this high school, you have Tim Drake, the former Robin there, and he's surrounded with classmates of different sizes. And he has all these skills and everything, and yet he really becomes the, the center of the resistance for lack of a better term, within it, and he is the one keeping his head calm, and yet, and he is the one going, "What can I do to um, help?" And even inside of it, is his school is being held hostage, and he is refusing to be helpless. Mm-hmm. Going, you know, I've got these certain set of skills that I can do. I may not be rich, but I've got all these skills. A certain set of skills. A certain set of skills. But he's really becoming the the hero of the story. And a lot of people, as they read things and stories, you know, like you place yourself with the protagonist. As you're watching the protagonist here, is there's this um, 
just this utter cruelty and horrific thing happening around him, and yet he is stepping up and stepping forward in a terrifyingly um, all-too-familiar environment. I mean, you're reading a comic book about Batman, and yet you still have, as you're reading this comic right here, of this person in his own high school going, I will not back down, and I will do what I can. And there's something really empowering about that, and it's hopeful that it's kind of a nice thing right there. And it just shows um, things matter when it when it matters, people will step up. And yeah, I find that really powerful, and it really this elevates Tim Drake for me. And see, I thought maybe if he was just, you know, maybe if he had been nice to the terrorists, that would have been fine. But sure. <laughs> so this aside, and, and even though I know where it's going, I'm, I'm, and Todd does too, I'm going to pose uh-huh. this question more towards Adam and Brian. Uh-huh. This is Act this One. This is the Act One, and yeah, some shit went down. But by the end, they seems like they're starting to get a handle on things. How long do you think? I, I don't think they have a handle before. on things at all. I don't like. No, no, it's all gone to hell. Like it's just this is like this is like the brief reprieve before. You go to Act 2 where everything really goes to shit. Oh, just wait. Well, <laughs> and I would even say that it's the brief reprieve. I would just say this is one of the one of the situations they're dealing with in the middle of dealing with everything else. You know what I mean? Like this, For me, it doesn't seem like they're getting a control on anything. Like It still feels like complete chaos to me. I will also say, as with the reprieve at the end, what I was also reminding me of as he was walking out of that is um, Jim Starlin's death of, in the family. Mm-hmm. With Robin's character, there's that very iconic... It was the exact picture. same. It was like an homage. To it was him. an homage. Yeah, it was a definite homage as a callback of yeah the death of Robin as he's bringing out this person in critical condition, just hoping not for a repeat of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the uh, media sure seems to think that Batman caused it. Yeah, he's getting the blame because he's there. Yeah, he's there. Well, I mean, you also see a guy dressed up as a bat when a bunch of kids are getting shot up, and he's a scary looking motherfucker. Like. Mm-hmm. Why? I mean, like, I could see why people would be intimidated, scared, and assume it was him anyway. You know what I mean? Yeah. By all means. Well, uh, do you guys want to jump into uh, cocktails? Behold. Mr. Boom. We finally fulfill the second half of our Mr. title Boom. and make with the fire Mr. water. Alcoholics Maya, why don't you give us your cocktail? Uh, so my drink, is, it's simple. It's called The Godfather. I figure we had kind of a mafia. Yeah. Or at, least, uh, at least a quarter, if not half the gangs are uh, more mafia. Mm-hmm. Um, it's three quarter, or three-fourths parts amaretto, one and one-fourth parts scotch. Just mix it over ice in a glass and drink. Mr. Adam, what is your cocktail? So mine is the Mr. Freeze, because he's one of my favorite Batman characters of all time, and he he's not much. Awesome. there out. Chill out. Uh, this is actually one you would make to uh, to share with friends, unless you're a huge alcoholic and you want to. Uh, but you take six cups of ice, half a cup of vanilla vodka, half a cup of blue curacao, one cup of pineapple juice, and one half cup of coconut cream. Okay. You blend it until it's nice and frothy, frothy and wonderful. And you take uh, as many glasses as you want. You dip them in simple syrup. You rim the glass with shredded coconut, and then you fill with the nice frosty drink. I'll blend you to your frothy. Promise? I'm going to rim my glass any day. Wow. <laughs> You're going to piss off my husband and boyfriend. Don't do that. Got your agenda right here. <laughs> uh, well, Mr. Todd, then what is your cocktail? Um, I'm calling mine the black cat. It's a uh, rather simple thing. It's, well, um, it's got to be black. It's got to be black. Okay. Or none more black. Meow. So <laughs> you have a uh, Collins glass. No, sorry. You have a lowball glass. You put, fill it with ice. 
you do uh, two ounces of Kahlua and two ounces of vodka, and you just stir that around, and you uh, sip and enjoy. So you have this dead black dr- colored drink that will fuck you up. Sounds great. You go white Russian without the uh, the cream or the Kahluas or not the Baileys. Yeah, no Baileys in there. So vodka and Kahlua. And then mine is called the Tarantula for our little hero who we haven't discussed that much yet. Maybe we'll get into her in a second, mm-hmm. which is uh, one to two tablespoons of rosé lime juice. Uh, one lime, or juice of one lime, sorry. Uh, one tablespoon of kosher salt, ice cubes, uh, one and a half ounces of original Tarantula Azula tequila, uh, one ounce of blue caracao, one ounce of triple sec. Curacao. What'd I say? Curacao. Did I say Kira Okay. Uh, Curacao. Uh, one ounce of triple sec. Uh, four ounces of uh, the margarita mix. Pour the lime juice into a saucer. Basically, uh, pour another into salt. Uh, you rim the glass. Uh, and then you uh, pour amount of uh, ice into the glass. And then pour all four ingredients in the glass and stir well. Well, so then, yeah, talking about tarantula. So the, I, the interesting <laughs> thing about her, at least what's going on there, is that she's kind of acting like a mob boss. It's similar to uh, Orifice. Um, <laughs> where uh, she is acting like a bad guy, but is actually potentially a vigilante who is trying to protect the the kids of her neighborhood by sort of focusing their efforts on protecting their own neighborhood and trying to uh, keep them from going out and getting killed in a you know basically an entire war zone within their town kind of thing. And I I kind of mm. like like it's a weird little interesting side note. I'm assuming she will come into play later, uh, but I thought it was just an interesting little. Um, just kind of interesting. They describe her as a, a wartime mother, I think, at one point in time, which I thought was interesting of her trying to keep her her kids safe, you know, uh, which I like. She is, yeah, I did too. She has really taken quite the um, ownership of the Latinos, that yeah. Latino gang, and not letting them get involved. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting with them, Orpheus and Onyx. <laughs> you almost said Orpheus. <laughs> you did. Orpheus and Onyx. And going right here, what's um, watching this here, there was a decent representation of different things going on. You've got this big, diverse, I mean, Gotham City is analogous to New York in a lot of ways. And as war games going, we have all these different groups coming in and all of them fighting. And it's not just the five Italian families going at it. There's a little bit of everyone in there. And it it felt rather organic and natural and not forced. There's the Russian mob, the Greek Uh mob, Italian mob. The Latinos, Latinos, and you have the Blacks the, and the whole thing the going Yakuza. on. Yeah, the Yakuza's in there too, plus the Rogues Gallery going on. You've got and a little Penguin. bit of Ping, you've got Penguin and Freeze and the Ventriloquist. Hush makes a little appearance. Yep. He's he's yeah. not on a side, he just wants Batman to suffer. Yeah. yeah. So far, he really hasn't had anything to do other than just watching and going, what can I do to fuck this up more? Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. He's like the hot sauce in the drink. Oh, that sort of reminds me of an old character coming back. Um, I learned something interesting the other day, and I thought that mm. Mr. Maya in particular... I don't know why Mr. Maya I would think would be interested. Mr. Adam, you might be interested as well. But did you know that the book A Tale of Two Cities is uh, partially the basis for the last of the Christopher Nolan Batman movies? I did not. Uh, so the character no. of Bane is based off of Madame DeForge or whatever from A Tale of Two Cities. And mm. it's, that, that, the scene where he basically creates a court and puts on trial all of the rich people of Gotham City is akin to what she does in the book and also it's part of the reason why there's a, a shot and I remember this from the movie and thinking it was random as hell and this is the reason why it's there there's a shot of Bane knitting in the middle of the courtroom which you think is very fucking strange that's 
also a reference to A Tale of Two Cities. <laughs> yes, it, it explains why it's my least favorite of the uh, Nolan trilogy. Uh, yeah, it explains a lot of that for me as well. But anyway, that, sorry, that just came up to me, and I was like, this is a really weird, useless thing that I learned the other day that I thought would pass on, especially since we're discussing a Batman book, and when Hush came up, that reminded me of, of that. So... Yeah. Uh, anybody else have something they want to, you know, jump on? We haven't talked about the artwork a whole lot yeah. or at all. It's, it's, yeah, I was trying to think about this earlier today. It's kind of hard just because you have eight different books and eight different artists. Mm-hmm. I will say all the work is solid. I mean, it is the Bat Book mostly, so they always have a pretty good artists. Pretty good artists working on it. I still think it holds up quite well as you're watching it. I mean, I um, got into this. I mean, most of my learning of Batman was Batman the Animated Series. Oh, mine too, yeah. So, yeah, if you ask, like, what do you know about Batman, 90% of my knowledge, my grounding and all my knowledge, like, oh, I know Leslie Tompkins, she's the doctor there, and oh, I recognize the Penguin, oh, who is this Orpheus guy? He's not in the cartoon. Orpheus. See? But Mr. Freeze here looks just like the Animated Series and everything else going on, and it's it seems to be, and I don't really know, but it seems there's a bit of acknowledgement of what the animated series has done to the Bat books. As it's like, oh, you love the animated series? Well, we're going to have the Bat books kind of go a little bit in that direction to try to get more readers and have it be an entryway drug for that. Well, I mean, we never would have had Harley Quinn. Yeah. That, so Sure. And there's no Har- no sign of Harley at this point in this. Well, no, I'm, I'm just saying in general that that's, you know, people... Oh yeah, discuss about what the animated series did. Like, well, one of the most popular characters right now in like the Batman slash DC universe mm-hmm. came from that TV show. So Jim Lee was quoted once as calling Harley Quinn the fourth pillar of DC. I, I think that. that's so, saying so, a bit Superman, much. Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, and Harley Quinn. Uh, yeah, I'm not buying that. But and popularity and stuff going after. I mean, you can talk about a lot of things, but you go to Comic Con. How many Green Lanterns are there? That's true. Well, yeah, I, I get that. Yeah, I don't know. I, I just, I understand that she's a very popular character right now, but I just, yeah. longevity-wise, I just don't see that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, would, I would say the Flash would actually be up there. You know what I mean? Because, like, mm-hmm. the, the Trinity is obviously, you know, Batman, yeah. uh, Batman, Superman, uh, Wonder Woman. Wonder Wonder Woman. But then, you, I mean, I would say then, yeah, there's a few others, but, like, I, I would say that I would put the Flash up there. That might be based on the TV show. I just want to put Harley Quinn in there because, like, other than, like, a couple of movies, you know, that is what it is. So, mm-hmm. well, cool. So we're getting close to the end here. Um, I'm going to say, because we're reading an ongoing story now from this, we will forego our uh, overall grades until the very end. Sound fair to everybody else? Yeah, yeah. sure. Okay, so let's uh, go with uh, recommendations. And now it's time for recommendations. That time in the show where the panel tells you all the crap they are currently into, but will forget about as soon as they see something shiny. Stamp of approval to everything. It's become meaningless. Why can't you be more like your wife? Lily's stamp is gold. I'm reading this book because of her. I'm drinking this beer because she recommended it. I'm even wearing this bra because of a lingerie store Lily told me about. Mr. Adam, do you have any recommendations? Actually, yeah. So I, I just picked it up. It's the <clears throat> it's uh, the death of Mighty Thor. It's uh, the it starts in Thor number seven hundred. They've gone up to seven hundred five, and then there's one left. Uh, and it's you know Jane Foster has been Thor ever since uh, Odin's son was found to be unworthy back in original sin, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. And uh, her whole thing is that she was diagnosed with cancer, and every time she picks up the mantle of Thor, she 
comes closer and closer to death's door and the story is that uh Malekith is starting to start a war across all the realms. By his works, he uh, resurrects... Is it Mangog? Mangog. Mangog, yeah. Who's now coming to destroy Asgard. The new Asgard is out by Saturn. And Thor is trying to go back and forth between doing being Thor and also trying to do chemotherapy because she's dying of breast cancer. And there's one episode left, or one issue left, excuse me. It's fucking amazing. The first issue is kind of all over the place because it's a big 50-page issue with... Lots of Thor lore that if you don't know that Thor was a frog, you might be kind of confused. <laughs> but uh, there's a there's a, a, a couple page scene, I think it was in 702 or 703, where she's calling out Odin as Jane Foster, not as Thor. 703. 703, yeah. I, I just read it. Yeah, she's calling out Thor to come out and stop being a pussy and actually face Odin. Odin. Sorry, she's calling out Odin to stop being a pussy and come out and face all this stuff that you've caused, essentially, because Mangog was created when Thor started to destroy a billion billion people who pissed him off and it's an amazing scene it's i'm not gonna give spoilers it's great but the last issue was really powerful it's really good and uh, i know there's the epilogue left we'll see where it goes but it's uh if you've never read thor you'll be confused but honestly after the first issue you 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 pick up on it and it's it's one of the best comics i've read in a while so jason aaron is great he also he wrote scalped and southern bass bastards yep so yeah jason aaron jason aaron's amazing southern bastards is so good i bought three trades of southern bastards blindly on maya's uh recommendation i just haven't gotten around to reading them yet mm-hmm. yeah mr todd do you have any recommendations this one is a graphic novel who knew um, <laughs> it's written by brian wood it's called rebels it's the second trade of these free and independent states and what it is is a historical fiction comic book and it's uh early stages of the United States, it's the Revolutionary War is over, and it's a few years later where you have Britain going, you know, they may have gotten their independence, but do we really think we're going to let them keep it? Uh And they're going to war again. This really happened, kids. And then this is a graphic novel of those events. It's a lot of fun. It's good. Um, Brian Wood's always solid. We um, did Alien Defiance with him, and even um, DMZ. That was so bad. Which I've become very addicted to. Um, I'm like ten trades into that right now. I just I actually just bought twelve today. I had eleven on my bookshelf to read, and I just bought twelve today at the comic shop. I really dig Brian Wood. So yeah, yeah. He, he does good stuff. What about Brian's Wood? He he digs that too. Rawr. <laughs> He's got your agenda right here. He That's does right. have his agenda right here. Uh, Mr. Maya, do you have any recommendations? Yeah, uh, I got two. Um, actually, no, I'm going to save one of them. I just picked up a bunch of miniatures for the brand new Star Wars Legion miniatures game by Fantasy Flight Games. Uh, it's a big tabletop miniatures game, kind of like Warhammer, where you do have to put the put the pieces together and, and paint them, which I had never got into Warhammer because I never wanted to do that. But for Star Wars, I'll give it a shot. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I haven't gotten a chance to play it yet, but man, these miniatures are detailed. They're beautiful, and they're and they're in scale. I got like the you have your little troopers, but then I also got like the ATST, which is in scale with the little troopers. So it's like giant when you put it up next to one of the little guys. So uh, yeah, it looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, just basing it off of how they look, uh, I recommend checking them out. So uh, next week we will continue on with the war games. Um, we'll be reading Batman War Games Act Two. <laughs> I can count, I swear to God. Um, and, uh, yeah, so we will continue on with this. Uh, Todd or Maya, do you have any other uh, heads up as to what we encounter next week? 
Uh, I honestly don't remember because this is my first time reading this since I originally read it. Mm-hmm. But I was just going to say, if you are reading this in the big giant collected edition, stop. Well, as I am. Page, yep. Stop when you get to page one ninety nine. One ninety nine. Hey, only two hundred pages. That's awesome. Yep. Only two hundred pages of awesomeness. To be fair, so we did two episodes on the first book, and we're going to do three episodes on the second book. So the, you know, it's a little more evenly distributed on the second book around, but you know, yeah. that's how it goes. So the prequel had a, a bit of a chunk of reading, but anyway, still enjoyable. So we will see you here uh, again next week, or I guess you'll hear us here again next week because you can't really see us. We're not a visual medium just yet. We'll figure out something at some point in time. Maybe. Uh, maybe. Maybe. Uh, so, yeah. Well, then, for Mr. Porg and the rest of us here, uh, thanks for listening, and we will see you next week. For joining us for this week's episode. This band of knuckleheads will be back next week with a new episode. Until then, you can find them on Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr as Funny Books and Firewater. And on Twitter as at FirewaterCast. Go to FunnyBooksAndFirewater.com for the most up-to-date information. As well as cocktail recipes from this and past episodes. Thank you for joining us. And until next week, support your local comic shop. Tip your bartender well. And stay hydrated.